Hello and welcome to Middle East Matters on France 24 with me, Nadia Massey. Here's what's coming up in the show this week. Israeli protesters make their voices heard as the government presses on with its controversial overhaul of the judicial system. During the show, we'll ask why Prime Minister Netanyahu is so determined to force through these reforms now. As Turkey and Syria reel from the devastating earthquake, yet another tremor strikes the same region. We take you to the once bustling city of Nerdag, now a ghost town. And as Lebanon's currency plummets still further, we meet two families struggling to make ends meet. We start the programme, though, in Israel, which is being rocked by some of the largest protests in its 75-year history. At stake is the independence of the judiciary. Benjamin Netanyahu's government is seeking a major overhaul of the legal system, which critics say amounts to an attack on Israel's democratic institutions like the Supreme Court. Indeed, if passed, the legislation would allow Parliament to overturn decisions made by the Supreme Court. So just what is motivating these controversial reforms and why is Netanyahu so determined to push them through now? To discuss, correspondent Jordana Miller joins us from J Jerusalem. And Jordana, let's talk first of all then about the ideological origins of these reforms. The justice minister, for one, has been pushing for changes like this for many years. So just tell us a bit about why this is all so important for him. Yeah, that's a, a really great point, Nadia, and it really doesn't get a lot of attention here. Yariv uh, Levine, who is now the current justice minister, uh, he has been a fierce opponent of the Supreme Court for practically his entire political career. He is a firebrand uh, conservative. He's an ultranationalist. Uh, he doesn't want to give up one inch of uh, what he calls, you know, Israel's territory in the disputed West Bank. And, and he has always seen the Supreme Court as activist and having too much power. Uh, and it has to be said that there is a group of uh, lawmakers in the conservative Likud party and to the further right that agree with Yariv Levine, even some in the center who think the court needs to be reined in somewhat. You know, their argument is that the legislature and the prime minister represent the people and are elected, but the judges are not. And they end up intervening and striking down laws and preventing the government from doing things. Many people here and abroad feel that the uh, the plans of these reforms are just far too radical. Uh, and that is why so many uh, Israelis have taken to the streets. So, um, you know, there has been a history of demands for reform. These, however, seem unacceptable to the majority of Israelis. There was a new poll put out. Now two-thirds of Israelis oppose the swift push-through of these changes, which began yesterday. And politically, these reforms, Jordana, are a tough sell for Netanyahu. You mentioned the scale of the unrest in the streets. So why is he so determined to try and push this through? Well, many people suspect part of the reason is because, you know, the judicial reform, should they go through, will help him halt or end his uh, legal troubles. He's on corruption. Uh, he's facing a one charge of accepting bribery and several charges of fraud and breach of trust. 
Uh, and it is uh, no doubt that should these sweeping changes go through, uh, Netanyahu could essentially uh, influence who sits on a court that, for example, hears his appeal. Uh, or if they split the job of the attorney general, a new chief prosecutor picked by the governing coalition, which would be Netanyahu's government, could look at his case and throw out part of the case. So, you know, this conflict of interest that he has uh, has really contributed to the outrage um, because many people suspect that Netanyahu's motives, part of them, are just to protect himself and keep himself out of jail because for many, many years he kept uh, Justice Minister Yair Yariv Levine and his ilk at arm's distance and suddenly he's embraced, you know, these radical judicial reforms. And that's what's prompted so much anger in the streets. But there's also international pressure on Netanyahu, isn't there? Do you think then he will at some point be forced to compromise on all of this? I do think so. I think uh, the Israeli prime minister uh, responds uh, to international pressure. Uh, we've heard it from Washington. Uh, the rare remarks by the American president, Joe Biden, essentially a warning that any major change should really come from, uh, you know, after consensus building talks, uh, and even more blunt remarks from the U.S. ambassador. Uh, Netanyahu has a lot he wants to accomplish. He needs the Americans, whether that's fighting Iran's nuclear program, bringing Saudi Arabia into the Abraham Accords. Uh, Netanyahu can't afford to alienate Washington nor can he afford to be the reason there's economic harm that comes to Israel. We've heard financial institutions warn about downgrades, about investors, you know, not wanting to put money into Israel's high-tech industry, something Netanyahu's always been proud of and taken credit for building. Jordana Miller, thank you very much. In other news, this Monday, a 6.4 magnitude earthquake rocked southern Turkey and northern Syria just two weeks after a massive tremor killed around 45,000 people in the same region. The new quake claimed several more lives and sparked panic in communities reeling from the devastation earlier this month. One such place is Nerdag, a once bustling city near the epicenter. Now it lies in ruins. It's an apocalyptic landscape. Life here has crumbled to a standstill. The city of Nurdag in southeastern Turkey has been severely damaged by the earthquake, and authorities say that the entire city will need to be demolished. 40,000 people used to call it home. Now, it's a ghost town. In the middle of the ruins, are the words, goodbye, Nurdag, February the 6th, 2023. We're leaving. It breaks my heart. I have lived here since I was a child. This was my apartment, but it's gone now. So sad. This woman not only lost her home in the earthquake, but also her mother and two brothers. Her son has been helping her recover the pieces of furniture that weren't destroyed. We're collecting our things, but we don't even know where to put them. We're not getting any help. We're trying to find an apartment in another town, but the rent is way too high. It's a fight against time to empty their homes. They told us to clear our flats before the diggers arrive. They're going to destroy everything, whether or not we agree. 
Bunları yeni almamıza gerek kalmayacak. Some flats are too damaged to risk entering. If we sense that the buildings are too frail, we don't do it. It will be too dangerous. Nerdag was destroyed in a night, but authorities say that they will rebuild within a year. And they've promised not to make the same mistakes twice. Our mistake was that we did not predict an earthquake of this magnitude. But this time, we will create earthquake-resistant buildings with two or three floors, four at most. But that isn't stopping people from leaving for good. They would need at least five or six years to build everything. I just finished paying off the flat I bought two years ago. Do you think I'll get the money back? Many have fled. Others are moving into container homes that are being built on the city's outskirts. They're holding on to the hope that one day their city will get back on its feet again. Next to Lebanon, where protesters have smashed windows of banks in the capital as the currency hit a new low against the dollar this past week, the Lebanese lira has now lost about 97% of its value and more than 80% of the population live below the poverty line. Millions of people are, of course, struggling now to make ends meet amid the financial turmoil. And our reporters in the capital bring you this story of two such families in the once wealthy neighbourhood of Ashrafiyeh. The situation in Lebanon is getting worse by the day. The Lebanese lira's unprecedented depreciation makes life challenging for millions in the crisis-hit nation. 85-year-old Marie is one of those battling. Her husband passed away five years ago, leaving her alone to take care of their disabled daughter, who has epilepsy. I only smell meat from the neighbors cooking. I miss eating meat. We just need some eggs for our nutrition, especially in our situation. My disabled daughter is covering herself up in blankets, and we can't afford the price of a gas canister to heat our house. After the COVID-19 pandemic, the Beirut port blast, and the socioeconomic collapse, NGOs do their best to help those suffering the most, like Marie. Lebanon of Tomorrow is one of many active organizations in Beirut. We provide support to Mary by checking in on her every two weeks and giving her the support she needs. The situation is deteriorating and the demand for help is increasing. Although many local and international NGOs are active across Lebanon, many people still need support and rescue from possible malnutrition and famine. One day it's just lentils, one day it's beans, one day it's chickpeas or even wild plants. No yogurt, no cheese, nothing. Look at our tiring situation. What should we eat? Should we eat soil or dirt? Lebanese Armenian Angel has shifted to a vegetarian diet that includes wild plants from a nearby community garden to survive. 
Angel is walking to the garden to collect the ingredients for today's meal, a soup of veggies and wild plants. With this plant, we can cook a soup or fataya. My mom taught us how to do it. The latest UN figures indicate that around 2 million people in Lebanon, including 1.29 million Lebanese, are currently facing food insecurity. And that report brings us to the end of the programme this week. Thanks for watching and do stay with us. There's much more still to come here on France 24. Beyond the News. A daily opportunity to go beyond the headlines and explore the news in depth. Revisited. A return to places which were in the news a long time ago. Reporters. Our in-depth reports on international news. The 51%. A programme about women reshaping our world. The Observers. Meet our observers who alert us to hidden realities. Focus, exclusive reports by our correspondents and journalists. And down to earth, on the vast potential of our planet. Every day, watch Beyond the News on France 24 and France24.com.